0: Stay winning at Capital One Arena when you use Clear. Download the free Clear app and use it to beat the crowds during the playoffs. Enter through the Clear lane at the 7th and G Street entrance across from Clyde's. This
1: is Caps This Morning with John Walton and Ben Raby on Caps Radio 24-7.
2: All eyes on the morning skate today for Tom Wilson. Nick Dowd will join us as well as Florida radio voice Doug Plagans. And Tariq El-Bashir going to stop by as well as the Capitals looking to take a two-games-to-none series lead here in Sunrise. Good morning, everybody. It is Thursday, May 5th. Welcome to Caps This Morning here on Caps Radio 24-7. Presented by Clear, the faster way. In the Capital One Arena, the Caps tonight are looking to have a most profitable business trip to South Florida, leading the Florida Panthers already one game to none in the series, and looking to get halfway home in this best of seven before heading back to Capital One Arena on Saturday afternoon for Game 3. After a three-goal third period Tuesday night and a 4-2 victory, the Capitals looking for that same defensive responsibility and neutral zone play that stopped the high-flying Panthers in Game 2 tonight. A lot to get to this morning to get you ready for tonight's Game 2. We begin with Ben's chat with Nick Dowd, his impressions on a Game 1 win on the road, playing without Tom Wilson, whose status in doubt for tonight's second game of the series, and coming from behind to post an impressive win to start out this best of
3: seven. You know what? I Obviously, is. I think guys just uh, did a good job of sticking sticking with it. You know, I mean, if we weren't, I wouldn't say guys tried to play uh, do anything different than what we did the whole game. I mean, I thought we played really well in all three periods, regardless of trailing. Um, our power play was good, our penalty kill was good, but continue to you know stay consistent and, and stick stick with our game plan. I think that was the biggest thing. And you know, there's going to be nights where you walk away from a game where you know you played better than their team and maybe you didn't have the outcome. But last night, uh, you know, regardless of the score, I thought we played the exact same way and, and we were successful because of it. So,
4: they had opportunities, Florida. They're going to have opportunities, yeah. but you neutralized them through the neutral zone for the most part. What went into that? What went into slowing down their transition game?
3: Well, I just think you know all five guys in the neutral zone within our system have to be connected, um, and when that happens, there's there's not a lot of holes out there and there's just not a lot of room, and then each guy was uh, committed to, to their job and did a good job of, of uh, you know doing what their role is within the system. So I think that is what we'll continue to look for tomorrow night.
4: It looked like also from from that third period rally, and I understand you're saying you felt you guys were playing well through the first two periods, but it just looked like a veteran group. There was no panic, just a cool, calm, collected bunch. Did it feel like that, that it was a a calm group that understood there was business to take care of and ultimately did?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think that was probably one of the most calm calm benches that I've been a part of since I've been here in Washington, and and that was probably one of the highest stress situations that you could get into, Uh, and I think, you know, it's... I think you'll hear in the media as well, like, it's just important to concentrate your energy on, on things that you can make a difference with and not waste it on other things. So,
4: about the goaltender, Vitek showed himself very well in game one?
3: Yeah, he played really well, I mean, um, key saves when we needed them. Uh, good on the power play, or good on the penalty kill, sorry, and um, you know, we're going to need a goalie to play well and answer the bell, and, and he definitely did that. So.
4: Leave you with this, Nick. What goes into carrying over the game one effort into game two when you know the Florida Panthers are going to be amped up and looking to make their own adjustments?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think um, approach the game the exact same way, and you know, and, and understand that uh, you know they are going to come in and be a desperate team. But I think we have to be desperate too. I mean, this is this is a big game, a huge game, and, and um, you know, we'll move on from game one, take the positives, learn from the negatives, and. Um, Again, like I think it's just staying calm, staying consistent, and, and, and you know, trusting, trusting our teammates. So.
2: Ben was a busy guy yesterday at practice, getting us also the perspective from the Florida side of the fence with the radio play-by-play voice of the Panthers, Doug Plagans.
4: We'll lead you off the bat, Doug. From the Florida Panthers' perspective, adjustments to be made here after a Game 1 defeat. How would you describe the atmosphere surrounding the President's Trophy winners after falling behind in Game 1 and now having an uphill climb?
0: Well, having heard from Andrew Brunette and the players uh, overall... I think they they know they're in for a long series. That was the sentiment that uh, that we picked up and they knew that it wasn't going to be easy. Uh, I think they know there are some things that could be cleaned up uh, after game 1, but you know, they knew they knew they were going in against a good team an experienced team and I think we saw that Capitals experience really come into play in that game and uh, I think you look at the Panthers game overall there there were a lot of things they did well and I, I thought Sergei Bobrovsky was outstanding uh, in that game and especially in the first two periods so uh, there were some things to build on but uh, against a team like the Capitals I think they know that uh, they're just going to have to th- there is going to need to be uh, maybe a little bit a little bit more in some areas in terms of just some some things being cleaned up and it sounded like the general sentiment was there were some some self-inflicted wounds uh, that was the reaction from after the game uh, game one so uh, overall i think they know they're they're not far off but uh but uh, again there was uh, there are some things that could be cleaned up
4: do want to follow up on sergey bobrovsky so much talk with the panthers understandably so during the regular season and it's about the offense and the ability to score goals in bunches and they're very easy on the eyes when things tighten up here in the postseason as we saw in game one and you're facing an opponent that could clamp down and limit those chances The spotlight shines even brighter now on Sergei Bobrovsky. You referenced he played well for the most part in game one. Can he carry that over? Is that sustainable based on the track record from Bobrovsky?
0: Yeah, you look at Bobrovsky overall, and he, his last start of the regular season, he, he looked good and good start to end on, and then uh, had a couple of games off just to catch his breath and, and get ready to go for game one because the team knew he was going to be the guy. And uh, obviously anybody out there knows that if Sergei Bobrovsky gets hot, he's a two-time Vezina Trophy winner for a reason. He's the kind of goalie that could carry a team, I mean, all the way to the end. Uh, he was he was really good in that game, made some big saves, especially early on. And when you see him locked in like that, it really does give you a good feeling that he's, he's getting on a roll, that he's really on to something. So it wouldn't surprise me at all if we came out and saw you know an equally as sharp Sergei Bobrovsky in Game 2.
4: Capitals have had an expression for years being comfortable in uncomfortable situations. They're a veteran bunch. Florida Panthers, I'm not going to say they coasted to a President's Trophy win, but they had a lot go well for them during the regular season. How is the group equipped to handle adversity? This is the first time, maybe in some time, that they've dealt with maybe a little bit of increased pressure here and down 0-1. Who do they turn to? How do they come out of this collectively for a group that has limited experience to an extent at this stage.
0: Yeah, it's interesting and on one hand you could say that they didn't encounter a lot of adversity, but on the other hand in some ways it, it maybe the adversity gets overlooked because they were pretty good at rebounding from some things. I mean, they dealt with they dealt with a coaching change that uh, I don't think anybody would have seen coming uh, 7 games into the year. The team was 7 and 0 when that happened and they Kept the train on the tracks and, and everything kept going. They had a little bit of a bout with, as most teams did, a little bit of a bout with, with COVID. And so a, a lot of guys in and out of the lineup back in December uh, Allowed, didn't allow anything to really come off the rails at that point in time. They were great at battling back in games this year. Now they're going to have to battle back in a series, albeit it is just a, a one-game deficit. But. They'll have to battle back again. So it's a team that's found a way to rebound a lot. Something interesting, too. I'm sure you guys saw this, but uh, during the regular season, when the Panthers took a lead into the third period, they never lost a game in regulation. Uh, That game one was the first time all year that that had happened to the Panthers where they took a lead into the third and lost a game in regulation. So uh, that was unfamiliar uncharted territory for this year's edition of the Florida Panthers and it is going to be interesting to see how they rebound and uh, I would expect I would expect the team to come out with uh, with a lot of jump in game 2 uh, obviously look at game one, maybe sputtered a little bit from the start just from a rhythm perspective because they went down on that, uh, you know, went to the five-on-three disadvantage early on. And, you know, when something like that happens, it it does break up the rhythm a little bit. I think they'll look for a, a better start and a, maybe a more, uh, I guess, methodical start in, uh, in game two.
4: Well, appreciate it. We'll look forward to it tonight. Game two here at FLA Live Arena. It's Doug Plagans, play-by-play voice of the Florida Panthers. Appreciate it, Doug. Thank you. Anytime. Thank you. Tonight's game will be on TBS nationally,
2: and if you're watching the national feed tonight, you'll see a familiar face. Our pal and regular contributor to the show, Tariq El-Bashir, going to be the sideline reporter tonight. At practice yesterday, we discussed the win in Game 1, Anthony Mantha, Tom Wilson, the battle between the head coaches in this series, and the pressure, for now, squarely on the shoulders of the Florida Panthers. All right, hanging out here ringside at Tariq El-Bashir. You can see him tonight on TBS in Game 2 and their coverage outside of Maryland, D.C. and Virginia. Sir, this was a... Very good effort for the Capitals in Game 1, now going into Game 2 here tonight. I don't know that the Capitals really could have expected a whole lot more than what they got out of a good defensive effort, didn't give up a lot of odd man rushes, were very responsible, and maybe most importantly, they got good goaltending. Vitek Vanacek, as solid as we've seen him in a while. All in all, Capitals with a lead in the series. And that was exactly
1: the type of performance that you've got to produce if you're on the road against the president's trophy-winning team and, and you hope to pull an upset. Now, it's funny to use the word upset you know, with a team that just won the Stanley Cup in 2018 and has Alex Ovechkin and Nicholas Backstrom and John Carlson and Evgeny Kuznetsov and all these other stars, but they are the underdog in this series, and it was very heartening for if you're a Capitals fan or a longtime Capitals observer like myself to see them put it together, all together, for 60 minutes, particularly with how things went down the stretch. I think everyone was a little concerned after Alex Ovechkin went down with the injury and then they got rolled a couple times by the Islanders, maybe a little better against the Rangers but still didn't get any points. And I think everyone was a little concerned that maybe that would spill over into game one. It it, it was the complete opposite. I mean, we saw a different team out there. We saw veterans, Wiley veterans, guys who've been around this game for a long time, elevate their individual efforts. I mean, Connor Sheary, he didn't get a whole lot of love uh, last night, I don't think, but he was another one guy who really elevated his game. Anthony Mantha, Lars Eller, Alex Ovechkin was all over the place. Nicholas Baxter made the beautiful pass to TJ Oshie. I mean, the challenge now is... Is it repeatable right can they do this again because you're gonna have to do it three more times to get out of this series on the
2: subject of doing it again tom wilson skates a minute 31 injured in the first period tried to go twice and couldn't get back out there yeah. and obviously concerned Peter Laviolette says he's getting treatment game time decision. You're not going to get a lot out of Peter Laviolette or any coach this time of year, so we will find out in all likelihood tomorrow night as the team comes out for warm-up if he's good to go. But it goes without saying, there's no replacement for him and that would be a gigantic
1: loss, as big in my mind as an Alex Ovechkin would be because of all the things he brings to the table. You're exactly right. I mean, here's a guy who plays important minutes and even strength. He scores big goals. He sets up goals. You know, He plays on the penalty. Kill. If I'm not mistaken, I, I think he took the lead in terms of shorthanded minutes minutes for Capitals Fours uh, late in the season. He's a locker room leader. He's a leader on the bench. And more importantly, or not, not more importantly, but just as importantly, he's the policeman, right? I mean, you know, Mason Marchman's not going to run around if Tom Wilson's on the ice. You know, Sam Bennett might not throw that flying elbow at John Carlson's head with 30 seconds to go if. Tom Wilson is on the ice I mean he's a deterrent (laughs) and if he's not there everyone on that on that Panthers bench gets an inch taller and about five pounds heavier you know 10 pounds heavier so it's a a loss if he's not able to go I don't have a great sense for it right now Uh, you know I think you're right we probably will not find out until the NHL posts rosters at 10 minutes before game time but you just hope that even if he does miss a game that it's not something serious, it's going to keep him out long-term. It doesn't feel that way, but again, this time of year, you're not getting anything out of the coach or the locker room.
2: You and I chatted a couple of weeks ago in Arizona about middle six forwards and what you needed in terms of production. Sometimes that's goals, and sometimes that's what Anthony Mantha did in game one. Ten hits, especially with Wilson gone, stepping up into that role. I think we've all been kind of waiting for Anthony to – improve that physical game, be a little bit more involved along the boards. I love the fact that he, in the absence of number 43, was able to Help out the cause in that middle six role. I thought he was terrific. One of the best games I think we've ever seen him play in a Capitals uniform in Game One.
1: Uh, the best Anthony Mantha is an engaged and slightly ornery, angry Anthony Mantha. I don't know what got into him. That's the type of player that he needs to be to go from a very good player in this league to a star player in this league. He's got the ability. You know, I I, I feel like the difference between a very good player and a star player is the star player can maintain that that high level consistent. You know, from shift to shift, period to period, game to game, we see it in flashes from Anthony. And last night he did it for 60 minutes. I mean, you know, we joked with him yesterday about the 10 hits and, and he said, you know, that wasn't my most as a capital, that was the most of my life. And basically he was like, no promises that's going to happen every single game, but that's the way I want to play. So at least the message has gotten through to him. The question now is, can he do it? Is he going to be sufficiently motivated on a nightly basis to repeat that performance? Because if he is, I mean, he can be the type of player, the type of X-factor that can turn this series. I felt like we saw
2: Peter LaViolette implement the kind of game plan that you needed to have to shut down the Florida Panthers. And I'm curious and just getting your thought on this. Andrew Burnett took over this Florida team under circumstances that were not ideal. Joel Quenville leaves when they didn't expect it. He takes over, did an incredible job in leading them to a President's Trophy. But this is the first time that he has been a coach in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Peter LaViolette has this gigantic wealth of knowledge, three different teams to a Stanley Cup final. Do the Capitals have the coaching advantage in this series?
1: They do. Anyone who doesn't have experience later in life, once you get that experience, you're like, man, if I just knew if I just knew how to do that 10 years ago, I'd be in such a better place. But you don't get that information or, or that, that knowledge until you know later in life. And, uh, you know, there are things, there are Buttons that need to be pressed—you got to know where those buttons are. When you're in your first year as a head coach, you're still kind of fumbling around in the dark a little bit, trying to find that stuff. And you're now under a lot of pressure. And now you're the president's trophy-winning coach who just lost game one at home. I don't know Andrew Burnett that well. i He preceded my time here in Washington, but I mean, I got to imagine he's starting to uh, pucker a little bit and maybe starting to get a little tense. You know, I'm sure his shoulders are getting a little, a little tight right now. Yesterday, we saw a very relaxed. Peter you know, he came in and answered our questions. Matter of fact, and was very calm. Kind of joked with a couple of reporters on the way in the room. But just in terms of knowing and understanding what your team needs do they need to be pushed do they need to be coddled do they need to what do they need at any given moment you only get that through experience you know let's not forget about the rest of the bench here in Washington too I mean Scott Arneal has been a head coach I mean there is a lot of experience on this bench you know there's a reason that Peter has got a Stanley Cup and has been two other times to the final he knows what he's doing you know until the Panthers coaches do it always a question mark right No question.
2: Last thought here, you mentioned calm. Nick Dowd, when we had the Mediaville just a short time ago here at the rink with him, he mentioned that word. That was when the Capitals were at their best. They were calm. That was the demeanor around this team. That comes with a certain swagger that if the Panthers can't find a way to win a Game 2, they're going to be anything but calm. So it seems like the Capitals, at least mentally, are in a pretty good place going into Game 2 as well.
1: You're not going to really get anyone in that room... In the capitals room to puff their chest out and go oh yeah we've thrown the pressure on them but that is how they feel i yeah. mean they know that they have taken the pressure and put it squarely on the panthers shoulders i mean some of the guys in that room have been in this position they've been the president's trophy winning team it's not must win until you're facing you know elimination but i mean if the panthers don't win tomorrow night i mean that's uh that's a big problem the the pressure is squarely on them and that's a relatively new team that's got some new players that are being being integrated into the group still. I mean it's been a few weeks, but you know, it's not like they've been together all year. And you look up and down that roster, you see a lot of young players, a lot of a lot of players with a lot of skill, but haven't done it yet. So and you look at the Capitals roster, you see a lot of dudes who who've been through the battles. So yeah, I do feel like the Caps have turned the tables a little bit here.
2: Always appreciate the perspective from Tariq El Bashir from the Athletic. TNT, and tonight, you can see them on TBS. Washington with a 1-0 lead in the series. Caps and the Florida Panthers, Game 2 of the first round tonight at 7.30. Television tonight on NBC Sports Washington in Maryland, D.C., and Virginia. Everywhere else, you can see it on TBS. As far as the audio, of course, all the games in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Heard on 106.7, the fan in D.C., everywhere else at CapsRadio247.com.